Welcome everyone to How Winners Win. I am Daniel Blue. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Kita Spears, a.k.a. Hi Key. What up, winners? What's up, Kita? What's good with you? My dream, brother. Can't complain. There you go. It's, it's raining again today, man. Out here in Vegas, it never rains. Been getting a lot of rain lately. Apparently, we have something called monsoon season. Uh, apparently, it also just started in 2022 because I've never seen rain like this no. <laughs> ever in Vegas. No. <laughs> so it's all, all brand new. Yeah. Brand and, new and, phenomena. Yeah. <laughs> and, and our guess is like, dude, it gets a lot of rain out here. What are you guys talking about? But out here in the <laughs> desert, man, they're digging up dead bodies out in Lake Mead because our water levels, levels are so low because we're in this big drought. Out. So um, I can't imagine they're going to find some more dead bodies out there. There's probably a lot of stories to be told. I wish we could interview some of those dead people, like the mob <laughs> figures and shit. So. 86. Yep. Yeah. Swimming with the fishes. <laughs> so winners, as always, we want to be able to bring some, some value to your guys' life and the guests really excited to have on started talking to him a couple weeks ago and, and learned about his story. And I was really excited to get him booked on the podcast. He's an OG in the game, and I know he's going to be able to bring a lot of insight, a lot of knowledge, and a different perspective to help you. And again, as always, we want to be able to give back to you guys in a way without spamming you with a bunch of shit, bringing you shitty guests, and we take your attention very seriously. So Keaton and I put a lot of time into this podcast. It means the world if you guys can give give us some love back, share this episode with a friend, give us some reviews, share us on social media, so our cubs can be filled and we can keep giving you that good good so the guest that we have here today his name is patrick precourt and what i really loved when i was reading about his bio and, and he brought this up to me when i spoke with him he's just like dude i've worked with a lot of high profile people people that a lot of people know household name brands and a lot of people don't know I'm, I'm kind of behind the scenes and uh, kind of the, the quiet guru, so to speak. But shoot, he's been in the game a long time. Back in 2008, he partnered with the company to provide fulfillment and help that company grow to generate over $75 million in annual sales. Um, wrote a badass book in 2008. So he's a, a, uh, an author, um, coaching, making money in real estate. The coolest part, Kita, is he did his first cage match. He does MMA, owns a fighting gym. First cage match at 42 years old. God damn, giving Randy Couture a run for his money, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so without further ado, we got Patrick Precourt on the show. Welcome to the show, brother. Oh, thank you, man. I'm happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this. And I love the title of your show. And uh, yeah, um, ready, ready to roll, gentlemen. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, buddy. So let's get right to the nitty gritty. Forty-two years old. You want to get beat the fuck up? <laughs> he's There's, no. I'm trying to beat some motherfuckers yeah, yeah. up. <laughs> well, I mean, Patrick. I know he's he's a fighter, and he's going to share some of his lessons. So I know he did not expect to come in and just knock the dude out in one haymaker and not get a scratch, right? Like I know he was expecting to, you know, go through some pain and some suffering. So I know there's a lot of training and attention behind that. So what what really motivated you to jump in the cage and and and, and join? Um, that kind of experience at 42 years old. Yeah, great, great question. And I'll be honest, with you, the answer may come across a little anticlimactic, right? So you know, you go back now. We're in the like the 2000, call it like six, seven, eight. The fight was in 2008, and I spent a couple of years preparing and training for that fight. Um, prior to that, I didn't know of the UFC or watch any kind of like you know fighting or anything like that. I wasn't like a fan or anything like that. I come from a background of rugby, played rugby for 
better part of 15 years and the last six of those years were at an international level so we we got our share of fighting in you know we didn't need more fighting just for the sake of fighting right um but that career um got ended um overnight through a series of bad concussions and what was my life and my identity and who i was as a person and the guy i saw in the mirror disappeared overnight so, you know and, and i wasn't quite frankly emotionally or mentally prepared to deal with it properly and um <clears throat> Whenever something is human reaction, when something been, when something happens to us, right? That's our psychology tells us that. Then we feel somebody should be to blame, but there was no one to blame, and so it was kind of a dead end um, situation. And what I did is I took all of that now negative emotion to work. I quit everything athletic, stopped going to any gym at all, um, refused to do anything to do with um, staying healthy in that context. But I took all that bottled up negative energy, brought it into work, you know. And, one aspect, it's a good way to push yourself and others, but another, you realize that even when you reach your goals, it's not good enough. It doesn't satisfy that itch. So you break everything so that you can do it over and over and over again. It's a very destructive methodology. One day, that's just how things happen. Uh, my 11-year-old son asked me uh, if, if I could take him down to a gym that had just opened up near us. And it's called the Lion's Den. Uh, Lion's Den was a, a Ken, Sham Ken Shamrock sponsored gym. Ken Shamrock from old, old, old school NHB, no hold bar days, right? And I brought him down there and uh, not thinking much of it, brought him in there and it, uh, you know, had had the, 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 the proverbial epiphany. And, you know, epiphany in my mind is just when you finally accept your truth, right? That's all an epiphany is. It's just you find all your layers and your bullshit are stripped away and you finally accept your truth for what it is in the moment. And my truth was that I've been a piece of shit for the last five years. I've been a terrible role model for my wife and my three kids. Um, this isn't who I am and, and something's got to change. That, that was my reality. So not only did I get my son a membership, I got a whole family membership to this gym. They don't know anything about it. And then this is how it quickly progressed, right? Um, so I'm like, all right, remember, so it's what happens next? And I see a cardio kickboxing class. I'm like, all right, I'll just join that because it says cardio and I need cardio. I'm fat and out of shape and, uh, do that for a few months. And that, that was going well. And one day afterwards, I look over and this is up in the mezzanine of this gym. And I look over and there's a, an area of mats and I see guys, you know, wrestling together. And I go over after them, like, well, like, what are you guys doing? Because they got bathrooms on too, you know? And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, this is jujitsu. And I'm like, well, what's jujitsu? And they explain a little bit to me about it. And they say, it's not a bathroom, it's a key, right? And I'm like, well, how do you get involved? This this, this is something I can do, you know? It's just in my space. You know, just show up. I'm like, all right. So I started showing up. And one thing led to another. And some more time passed. Maybe, maybe it's a few months or so. And uh, afterwards, like a Sunday night training, there a few of the guys were talking about fights from the weekend. Now we're back to that fight thing. And I'm like, well, what are you guys talking about fights? And a lot of the guys apparently fight MMA out of our, this gym I'm a member of that I'm completely unaware of. And they're like, yeah, so-and-so won, so-and-so lost. They did this Saturday night. I'm like, well, where do you guys even do this? They're like, well, right here. I'm like, where? And you look down, and this is how our mind works, right? We find we find the things we seek, and we ignore the things we're not looking for. There was a full-blown MMA fighting cage right downstairs that I had not seen yet. And I walked by it every damn time to get up the stairs into this mezzanine. Been doing it for months. Never occurred to me that this thing was an MMA cage for a second, right? They're like, oh, yeah, we do it right down there, and we do it on, like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and all this kind of like, oh, shit. 
how, how do you how do you get started in something like that? Same answer. And this is life, right? Just show up. So I started showing up, and that, that's how my MMA career began. It wasn't some big, like brilliant, hey, I'm I'm gonna be a really cool guy and all that kind of stuff kind of thing. It's just one thing led to another, led to another, but it all started with just getting to my truth of where, where I was in life, you know. Man, that is so true for I don't know how many different aspects of life. You gotta accept the reality and what's in front of you. Not the the I hope or what you thought your life was gonna be or you know what you hope it to be. What is it right now and what are you doing to change it? And it seems like when you walked into that gym, you realized this is, I'm not happy. I'm not happy where I'm at, but I can change it. Yeah. And, and you see, it, you have to first be willing to get to the fact that you've been lying to yourself. You've been making up all this bullshit stories, right? To, to cover up for your real story. And until you humble yourself to that spot, nothing can change in our lives, right? Because it, it's almost like, almost like if you asked me, hey, Hey, Pat, can you give me a set of directions from Florida to, to, to Connecticut? I'd be sure I can give you exact instructions on how to get there, right? So I give you these instructions. You get them like, well, these are worthless to me. And I'm like, I know. And you're like, well, why did you give them to me? Well, you said you're in Florida, but in fact, you're in California. You lied to me as to where you are. When we look back at ourselves, we lie to ourselves. Oftentimes, we lie to ourselves every day and then expect our plan to work from the origin of the lie, not from where we're really at. We wonder why things don't work out as planned. Does does that make sense? That little analogy there. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask. You mentioned you weren't the best role model to your family, and that led you to the gym. What what led you to believe, or what? Why did you say that you weren't the best role model? What was the old Patrick doing or not doing that led you to make that statement? Yeah. So I've always put health out in front. Um, physical, mental, emotional health, right? And uh, I do that by the wayside, one hundred percent. It was the obvious was the physical, right? You know, I, um, you know, I fight at one one seventy, but my like my rugby weight was like one ninety five, right? My now weight was like two fifteen. Mm -hmm. So I'm walking around like this slob, um, and when this goes, this is already gone. You can't, you can't lose one and not lose the other. And oftentimes you lose this and that's why you lose this. They go hand in hand, which meant to me that if I'm not where I'm supposed to be mentally, emotionally, physically, how can I possibly lead a household? How can I be that example of the guy I want my son to be someday? How can I be that example of the, the husband I want my daughters to seek out someday? If I'm being this slob that's living, that, that's living a big lie every day. Yeah, that, that's that's the part that hurt a bit. Yeah, and, and for those of you that are just listening to this on audio, when when Patrick is saying this and that, he's referring to his his physique, his health affecting his brain, his mindset, right? And there's so many correlations between your nutrition and your health and your fitness, mental health, and tying into your mental health, and then that tying into how you show up for your family, how you show up for your business. So, would you? agree or what's your thought process patrick on someone that is not in a good space health wise we can call them out of shape we can call them fat we can call them just they are not winning with their physical health do you think that person has a lower shot at 
succeeding in their relationships with their family, their business, things of that nature? So I would say they have a lower shot at being the best version of them. That that's the the best way to look at this, right? Um, you can't, you know. So when you look at mental health, emotional health, physical health, um, and then at, as components of who we are, look at our financial wellness. You look at our uh, um, our relationship wellness, right? When you start putting all these pieces together, every one of those affects and infects the other affects and infects the other so when you let this go it will take you down over here you can't possibly have the confidence as a human being when you look yourself in the mirror and you don't like who you see looking back at you furthermore when we look in that mirror and this is why oftentimes it's not a comfortable happening we can't outperform that person we see looking back at us that sets our ceiling and we kind of define that right so until we own that we can't all these other things we talk about and training and 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 you know programs and mentorship and masterminds that's all great and 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 awesome right but we have a cap we have a ceiling and it's the man in the the mirror that's always watching us does that make sense yeah 100 percent. yeah for, for for sure so what was a a pivotal moment because I, I got to believe that 42 years old, you make the, the the jump to start training or start jumping in the cage, right? But when did you commit to starting to train and, and, and really take your health seriously and, and go down the path of MMA and things like that? How old were you? So I made the commitment to train the, the moment of the epiphany. That I made that, I made right there. I said, this is going to change and it's going to change now. It's going to start today. Um, I didn't know exactly what all that meant, but that's when the decision was made. The MMA thing came in, you know, months down the road. That was never, that was never part of the plan of the agenda that just kind of became part of it down the road. Shit. I'd much rather hop in a cage and, and spar and kick and take each other down than hop on a cardio machine all day long. You right. know, yeah. Uh, yeah, at least this one's exciting and fun. Uh, this is a tad boring to me. Right. Yeah. Now, I didn't know all that was available to me, but it just, I naturally just filled that need to, to become a better version, the better version that I, I could be of myself. Right. Yeah. Um, so the decision though happened immediately. Yeah. Um, there's no waiting on that one. So when you had that epiphany, was it, I need to make a change because you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you notice you had a dad bod and you didn't have a dad bod before, or was it something more dramatic? Like you saw the relationship with your wife suffering, or maybe there was some downsides, you know, happening with your business or you were making less money. Like, was there other things happening in your life that were negatively taking place that led you to, you know, make, make, make a shift. All of the above. Right. So we're constantly fighting money in the business. We're making it, we're losing it primarily because I'm burning things back down so that I could pour all this crappy energy into it. Uh, my wife and I are constantly struggling because you got a big ball of shitty energy here. Right. Um, that, I don't even have to say a word and that energy flows over to her, to the family and it creates tension and resistance. And, you know, it's a little different subject, but, you know, in a husband wife relationship, right. With very few exceptions, the, the wife is the, the husband is the leader of the household and the wife seeks out security in that husband. That that's, that's what makes those two so powerful. Right. And when he doesn't provide that, 
because he's being a weaker version of himself and it's manifesting itself in every aspect of every every part of their marriage and their their uh, family and their businesses right um then the wife doesn't feel so secure in the relationship and then she feels and this doesn't happen consciously subconscious she feels that she has to be the protector so she's forced to wear a mask of masculine energy and then heads just start button like this and that's oftentimes where you'll see marriages go down or drain because they don't have the right person to step in between that and, and sort out something that can be definitely sorted out right basically you know this is why there's so much conflict and you man male you got to rise up and, and accept your your spot as king but be that guy and until then you don't deserve your queen the way you expect her to show up she's going to continue to do what she needs to do to protect herself and her family up and until you take your your your, your spot at, at 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 the crown here does, does that make sense yeah you got to step into it you can't you not just it's not given to you no, 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 no. You're stepping on and own it, right? And then, yeah, then your queen will show up, right? Um, and then I'm not saying some like you know weak little serving queen at all. I'm talking about you'll you'll pull out her strength, and she'll show up as a true queen, you know. Love yeah, it. That, and the queen yeah. can move all, all over the board in chess for yeah. a reason. Yeah. So. <laughs> They're bosses. Exactly. I wanted to uh, take a couple steps back because you mentioned that you played rugby at a very, very high I, level. I know your ears are you know, up for, for that. For, for fi over 15 plus years. And, you know, coming from an athlete myself, played football through through high school. When you get out of it, when you have to hang up the cleats and you realize that you're not going to practice that next week you don't have to prepare for a game there's no playbook to remember there's no strategy to, to go over or film sessions it fucks with your identity and you mentioned with, you mentioned that earlier and that kind of seemed like that was the ball of wax that started the five years into where we're at right now with your story can you talk to people about you know that identity shift of when one identity is taken away and you have to go back to just being well, finding out who you are again, right? Right in your mind, just just like everybody else. Yeah, right? average, you're, quote unquote. You're, yeah, you're average. You're just, you know, you see this phenomenon in professional athletes all the time, right? You see the Brett Favre's who who can't get out of the game, and people are like, why? Yeah, he's got everything he wants financially. He's still got his mind and his body. Why is he continuing? This is why because they don't know who they are outside of the game. They lose the title. So I'll, I'll give you. a uh, I'm going to answer that question. Let me share a little story with you. So a partner in, in some of our programs is a 30-year uh, vet. He did uh, four years as a Marine, and he came to UConn with us, and that's where I met him in rugby. So I've known him for quite a long time. And then he went to OCS, and then he did 26 years as a Navy SEAL, right? And uh, he, he had plenty of time um, under his belt. He could have retired a long time ago. He had three beautiful little daughters at home. And here he is. He's shipped over in Germany, still active as a Navy SEAL. And we talk about this. And um, one night I shared with him this concept that I think I know why you haven't resigned. And he keeps coming up with a new reason. Well, my pension, if I, if I do one more year, my pension will be 20%. Break, all, all this kind of stuff that in, a, in the scheme of life really doesn't matter. It does, doesn't, doesn't matter at all. I said, I think I know. Because when you retire, you have no idea what you're going to do, who you're going to be. You're, you're afraid to be a civilian. I let that sit there for a little while because this is exactly what you're saying, Keto, right? 
his his identity was a SEAL. And when he retires, he's no longer a Navy SEAL. He's a veteran of the Navy SEALs. He's someone different now. And this is this is the wisdom in, in, in this process. And I shared this with him as well. I said, what if everything you've done up until now, your four years as a Marine, you then coming to Yukon and, and getting your degree at Yukon and then going into officer cadet school and then getting you know, accepted into the Navy SEAL and spending 26 years as a Navy SEAL. What if all of that was just training? It wasn't the big stage. It wasn't the main show. You thought the Marines were coming out of high school because you're a lost child in high school. You thought you're going to the Marine. You thought that was a big stage. You quickly learned it wasn't. And somebody smarter than you said, go back to school so you can go pursue a career in the Navy as an officer. And you did that. But then you heard this thing about the SEALs and you got even a higher stage, right? So college wasn't the stage. Then you went into the Navy SEALs. And here you are, we're on the, we're on the tail end of that. What if this is all training, required training for you to become the person you have to be in order to go to the next stage. And for him, what that was, was starting a junior Navy SEAL camp for kids that are in high school ages called Camp Trident, um, where every summer he does two or three different weeks, different sessions around the country, where he brings kids in and he gives them the SEAL experience. And he brings in a lot of mates, actives and, and retired Navy SEALs, and they do some really cool shit, right, that we all would love to do. And I said, but you know what, Neil, you couldn't do any of that if you didn't go through all the training first. You thought your big impact, your big difference you were going to make was as a Navy SEAL. This is what you're doing now. This Camp Trident is how you're changing life. So this part of your life, this part of your career is where you'll make a bigger impact than everything and anything else you've done the entire time up till now. So I look back, right? I look at uh, my life as the same way. I and mean, I've gone through different iterations of careers. And you had mentioned one, um, Daniels, you know, I was in the education space of real estate for a long time. And we built a you know, multi, multi-million dollar company doing that. I thought that was a big stage. Just training. Just training. Prior to that, I spent most of my time, and I still invest in real estate, but as a real estate investor, I thought being a real estate investor was like the big stage just training. Prior to that, I was in building and my family had a home inspection company. I thought that was like the thing. We're going to have this big, really cool home inspection company. All just training, all just preparation to get us to where we are today. And that, that's how I see all of our life experiences. So all the way back you know, to, the, to the question, it's it's not easy letting go of your self-identity, right? It's, it's Especially if it's been who you were for so long. You know, I was everything I did was around rugby and touring and, and, and playing rugby. And I struggled with that. And I, and, and like I said, I didn't have the right people around me to help me through it. Uh, nobody was sharing this little conversation we're having right now. Nobody said, hey, Pat, man, that was just training to prepare you to be the leader that you need to be going forward. So one thing, just I, for whatever reason, it's been a blessing, but I, I, I captained almost every single team I played on in my rugby career at some point of being on that team, including our traveling team when we went overseas, which was awesome, great rugby, whatever. But really, that just was preparation, understanding leadership and the roles leaders play on teams, right? And going, doing from going uh, a place of doing it wrong, right? Thinking that a leader is dictatorship and everybody should just do what you say, right? Versus 
The other end of that is understanding that leaders' real job is measured when they're when they are past that job, when they're done with it, and they look back and they count how many leaders they created in their wake. That's how you measure a successful leadership, right? How many other leaders did you bring up the ladder with you? And I did it both ways. And I really screwed up our a team that was near and dear to me by turning the entire process into a dictatorship, not grooming any leaders. And then when I um, moved out to play in a higher level team, um, there's a big vacuum there and the team almost imploded on itself because it had no leadership structure left to it. So anyways, I know it's kind of a roundabout way to- No, that was fire. I mean, I think everyone needs to rewind that and listen to that part again. That was money. I really like how you described just- it's all steps, right? I think a lot of people can get caught up with their identity changing. Change is inevitable. And I really like, I don't think I've heard anyone explain it the way you did it in a very simple form. Humans always try to complicate shit. So if we can just break it down to be very simple, it's, hey, this is training for what's next, right? Maybe you're down and out. Maybe you're not content with where you're at. You know, change is inevitable, but you're scared to take that jump. You're scared to make that change. You're scared how people are going to view you. You don't know what's next, the fear of the unknown. Uh, I like, you know, Patrick, how you phrased it, where it's just, hey, this is, I thought I was at the big stage. I thought this was it, but no, it's just training for for something else, something better, but I got to grow. I got to be ready. Yeah, yeah. And, and you, you got to keep going. Here's, I'm sure you guys get asked this too, the, like the, the word purpose comes up often, right? Mm-hmm. And somebody will come and say, Pat, you know, I, I'm struggling. I, I don't know what my purpose is, right? I'm like, so what? What difference does that make? What if, right? What if the only way you can find your purpose is to go on what I call discovery mission? And discovery mission, right, is doing the things that you don't know the outcome of. It's going to a space you've never been in before and discovering new. And this is unfortunately, and it's kind of like part of our DNA. Like we li- we, we love to, to live in certainty knowing, right? Um, and, and a lack of certainty oftentimes will cripple our next action. will will hold us back from taking action. Um, we don't know. And, and, you know, I give this analogy of like, uh, um, a GPS in a parking lot. And I'm sure you guys have done this before, right? You drive out one night and you use your GPS maybe to get to, you know, somebody's social gathering or event somewhere and a few hours pass and you go to leave the parking lot. You don't know where you are. You, you plug in your address on the GPS and you're like, all right left or right, which way do I go? And you're just sitting there, right? You're like, left or right. Now, the GPS gods can't help you yet. And here, here's an important part of this, right? The GPS gods don't even know you exist until you go first. You have to take an action. And from that action, you'll get feedback. You take a left, GPS gods go, got you. I see where you are now. I know where you want to go. I'm going to create the shortest path to get there. Now you may, well, Pat, maybe I should have went right. Doesn't matter. That information is not available to you until you go first. And it doesn't matter which way you go because you're going to get the exact instructions from the universe as to exactly what to do next and what not to do. That's how life works. But we sit around waiting for all the answers first as time flies by. We make all these bullshit excuses why we can't get to it now, why we can't do it now. And we're stuck in the park a lot. Then the sun rises Right. And we're still in the same damn spot. That days pass, weeks pass, months pass. For some people, years pass. They still haven't acted on their dream because they don't have all the answers they think they need, which are only available through the discovery process, which means they've got to 
go first. Universe is brilliant. It's got our back. The universe is there to serve us, in my humble opinion, right? But if it doesn't know what we want, it can't help us. So if we're just sitting in a parking lot, sitting like, hey, Daniel, you look content. I got you, brother. I won't bother you, <laughs> right? Keto says, screw this. He goes out, hauls the leftist, starts burning down the road. Says, I got you too, but you're going the wrong way. Corrected path, take the next right. I got you too. Follow me on that? Yeah, that's gold. Both are a response to us, though. Does that make sense? Yes. You're crushing it with these analogies, man. Yeah. I, I've never heard of that analogy, and I didn't think that we were going to take the conversation this way. It's so simple, too. Yeah, and I don't think we've ever had a guest really dive into purpose and passion, and I don't want to leave this topic because I could see the veins in Patrick's neck. Like, this is his jam. Yeah. Like, I got to believe when you're coaching some people, this is where you shine and where you really, really change some lives. And you're right, Patrick, passion and purpose – it's something that all of us have struggled with at some point in time. What, 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 why are we here? Why are we on this earth? I'm not, my cup isn't filled, right? So I'm curious, what's your, how do you view purpose and passion in the sense of what's your definition of them? And are the, is it possible that someone could be living a day in their life where they're happy with themselves, but their purpose isn't filled, their cup of a purpose isn't filled, but their passion cup is filled. Can someone be happy if they don't feel like they have a passion that they're you know, living for every day and they have no purpose? Do they need to have one of those cups filled? Talk to us about that. Yeah. Okay. So that's like this, but let's just get into it. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's start with the word happiness, right? Because you know, everybody, says, everybody, everybody says happiness is an inward thing. It comes from the inside and it's, and I get the content. Well, I get their intention, but that they're dead wrong. Right. After all, I mean, if, if your mom passed away tomorrow, would you be happy? No. Hell no. That's an external event that has affected your happiness, right? So, no, happiness is not just something that sits inside of us. And we get to turn it on or turn it off. We're human. We have emotions, which is good. And we experience happiness uh, up and down. And, and, and we can think ourselves into sadness, no doubt, right? But most of our happiness is, is, a, is a response to external influences but there's a difference between happiness mostly out here and an inner peace okay so let's let's separate these two and you can be completely peaceful and sad at the same time peaceful being that you're okay with who you are and where you're at and you're experiencing a sad event in your life and both of those are perfectly okay but it's really 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 difficult to experience true happiness and be disrupted on the inside. If you're complete, if you're not at peace with who you are and where you're at, then even the most blissful events you may not experience as happy. Does, does, does that make sense as the separation I'm trying to yeah. uh, make there? It all starts on the inside, but the inside is the actual inner peace. Yeah. And that, that, that has nothing to do with what's going on out there. You could be broke, poor, left in a gutter and still be peaceful with how you walk this earth. You can be okay with that. But you know what? I ain't where I want to be, but I'm at peace with, with myself. And totally, and I'm pissed off and angry and very unhappy at the exact same time out here, right? So it's kind of, you know, happiness is, is, is the, the ship on the top of the water, right? And when waves come up, that ship bounces around, right? That's just how that happens. Inner peace is a submarine underneath doesn't matter what's happening on the surface it doesn't feel any of those waves 
right? It's perfectly cool. It'll just stay steady at it. All right. So that's my interpretation of, of those pieces. Now let's switch over to purpose and, and passion. So I want to plug in the word vision for a second, just for, it's an easy way to explain this, right? Um, we talk about everybody, you have to have a vision of clarity, all that kind of stuff, right? Where you're going. And this often brings up the word purpose because I don't know what my purpose. How do I know where my vision is, right? Vision has three very simple components to it. It has a destination where you're going. It has meaning, which is why you're going there. And then it has an instrument of how you're going to get there, right? And how ends up breaking down, you know, once you have your where, your goals, whatever, your, your how is the instrument, that's your strategy. And your why is that's where you find that passion because that's where we have meaning and let's associate now passion to meaning now when you look at um money as an example some some people you know they, they use money as their driver and others don't have any attachment to it money in and of itself has no meaning there's it's just a word it's just letters it's, it's a noun right um doesn't have any meaning until we attach a meaning to it so when we set a goal say hey i want to have a million dollar month right up and until we figure out what that means to us the likeliness of us achieving that goal is pretty small because we're not going to have that passion that fire which comes from meaning now if that million dollar month meant that you could change the lives of a whole bunch of people that meant something to you. So when achieving that goal was synonymous with these smiles of these young kids that needed what you were given to them, that's where the fire comes from. That's where the passion is rooted. That's the, that, that's the energy, the juice to achieve the goal that we're talking about of achieve, of, of making the money. But the goal in and of itself, although great for measuring, right? And tracking has no meaning. So void of meaning. It's, it's almost worthless to us. Does that make sense yes. in how I explain yes. that? A ton of sense. And we're emotional creatures, right? Very much so. And that passion lies in the meaning we attach to things. Why do you think politics are so volatile right now? Because people are passionate about them because they attach meaning to it. And politicians have figured out how to kind of program the meaning to you. They put words on it that means something to us. They're great. And I don't marketers. want to come any on either side right now. Cause I don't want to derail our, our listeners or viewers minds right now. Right. But they're very good at strategically titling things because they know the title means something to you and then you'll get behind it or, or, or not. Right. But politics are, they, 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 they got this part I'm talking about dialed in. They, they got the best copywriters in the game. Yeah. They got those headlines on point call to action on point. <laughs> So what if we took a little of their wisdom, right, and use the same tools to get the results that we want, right? Not just the ones that that they want. Yeah. So to kind of summarize what you're saying is if someone's lacking purpose, they're probably most lacking purpose because they're in the parking lot. They have their GPS on trying to figure out where to go, but they're not moving. They're not taking action. So it's hard to find their destination, their purpose, if they're just sitting in their car in the parking lot. Like they got to get moving, get moving, and you'll find your your purpose. You'll find your destination. On the flip side, how you describe passion, and I really like this part, is you you got to attach the meanings behind the actions, 
right? That's how you're going to be able to eventually find what you're passionate about, right? Because do you find in your coaching and your experience dealing with, with humans all over the country, all over the world, do you feel like most people struggle finding their passion or finding their purpose? Is it Patrick, man, I really don't know what I'm passionate about. I don't know what I'm, what my purpose is. What do you see? Um, both, both. They use the, the purpose at the, not knowing a purpose as an excuse not to get passionate about what they do every day. That, that it's no, like they go through the mundane routine of just executing whatever's in front of them without a, with, without the vision part, where they're going to go, why they're going to go there, how they're going to get there. Right. So you're, you know, you're, you're the title of the show about winning, right. Um, I, I love that title. And this vision part is one of three parts that are necessary to win. Right. Uh, but if we skip that part, we don't know where we're going in the first place. We'll just wallow around in circles. And, and a lot of people do that. Make no mistake. We don't know why we're doing it. We're not going to have the fuel tank. We're not going to have the energy to get through the hard part. And there's always hard parts. And if we don't have the how, the strategy, then we don't know every day when we wake up, we don't know what to do next because there's no plan. There's no strategy behind it. But it's no more complicated than that. The second part here, and, and I think I'm bringing this up, Dan, because I think this will add a little to what you just mentioned, is we lack commitment. Our society lacks the willingness to commit. And to me, commitment is whatever it takes, no matter what. Okay, Meaning that if you commit to something, you freaking show up. No, I don't care if you lost a leg on the way over. You show up. Be the guy. Be the gal that does what they say they're going to do, no matter what. Now, this flies a little in the face of um, um, how you do anything is how you do everything, right? And that's another, just one of those guru cliches, which does have some meaning, but it's got to be placed in context, right? The context to that is if you train hard, the fight will be easy. If you train like a wuss, the fight's going to be hard, right? That's the context to it. Don't don't not train the way you're going to fight. Okay, that's how you do anything is how you do everything. But in reality, um, life doesn't fit that mold. It's more important that you show up than it is that you not show up and have a bad workout. In other words, you have a, you you didn't sleep the night before. You're exhausted. You're wiped out, and you're already emotionally drained. Well, get your ass out of bed. Show up at the gym. I don't care if you do one set of push-ups and go home. Be the guy that shows up. Make a routine of being there and, and doing what you said you're going to do, right? That's commitment. And most people, they'll say they're going to do something, but they don't, they don't stand behind it in that way. Like, and this will also help you filter in things that you say yes or no to. If everything you say yes to, right, you remind yourself that no matter what, you have to do this you're going to start questioning a little more about what you say yes or no to, right? Which, which you should, because you're better off saying no, as you guys know, than saying yes and not following through on, on what you said. So that's, that's number two commitment. And I think um, a lot of people struggle with like that deep seated level of commitment. And then the last one, and this is something us as adults just don't like, and it's accountability, having an, an, an outward uh, level of accountability. And I'm not talking about a spouse or your accountability buddy or something like that. I'm talking about someone who is ruthlessly unempathetic to the bullshit little stories that you're telling them right now and has no problem applying a level of pain to get you to alter your behavior. 
So I give you a real, this, this is how predictable human behavior is. You guys will like this, right? And it's a, it, it's our weighted scale, right? On one hand, we have the, the weight, the pain of staying the same. And on the other, we have the perceived pain of change. And when the pain of staying the same is actually less than the perceived pain of change doing the thing, right? We won't change. We'll stay the same. Right. However, when an accountability partner steps up and he makes the pain of staying the same brutal, right? And it outweighs the pain of change, we'll finally take action. We'll do something about it. And that's that's why accountability is so important. If it means enough to you to write it down, to make it a goal, to commit to it, then buy the insurance program and make sure you have the right accountability on the outside influencing you to alter behavior to get the results you want. Because more times than not, we won't do it on our own. And those to me are like the three key components to winning whatever it is that, that we want to win with. That kind of makes sense. There is a wild card too. No, you just that, gave and, the blueprint. Yeah. <laughs> you gave the blueprint. Did that answer? I forgot even what the question was. Yeah, what's the, what's the wild card? All right. You can't, you can't just leave that out, bro. The wild card is this, right? And, and it's on unequivocally the most influential part of our success or failure our likeliness to succeed or not su succeed um it, it plays into our levels of happiness and inner peace right and it, it's that funny little word called emotional intelligence our ability to use our emotions as fuel but not to let our emotions make decisions for us right so for, for the listening and viewing audience I'll, I'll create this little connection Right? The way we feel affects the way we think naturally, right? And the way we think affects our decision-making, our decision-making, our action-taking, and therefore our action-taking our results. But now we have this direct corridor between the way we feel and the results that we get in life. Ask you guys a question. Have you ever woke up in the morning, haven't done anything yet, and you're already in a shitty mood the moment you get out of bed? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course, and you're feeling it, and then in a shitty feeling, you'll uh, you'll support that with your next few thoughts, right? Because you'll see it's raining out, and then that will trigger another emotion about how shitty you feel when it's raining out, and it it snowballs, right? Well, guess what? If we rely on how we feel to determine our decisions, actions, results, then guess what? We're subject to all, again the external influence of the world beating down on us emotional intelligence allows us to reel that in emotional intelligence in its shortest explanation is being aware of our emotions and then managing our emotions now we as um as human mammals are the only mammal on earth that have this superpower like when a dog gets an emotional uh it, it has an emotional influence on it it reacts to it it doesn't think about it it just Bites your ass. That's what it does, right? Humans can, between the emotion, let me go take one step back. Emotions, subconscious. Every thought has a pre-wired emotion in our subconscious just waiting on deck. When we think a thought, we take the emotion out of the subconscious into the conscious and we feel what we're thinking, okay? Go back to the emotion and thought because now emotions affect our thinking and our thinking picks out our emotion. Now they're supporting each other. And this is why we can snowball, start out in a bad mood 
And we can, if we don't own that, it can get worse and worse and worse and worse throughout the day because they're feeding each other back and forth. And it gets the, 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 the realization of this is that when we think and feel and feel and think in harmony, it can't help but to affect the way we act. And now we're thinking and feeling and acting in a shitty way. And we wonder why sometimes we get such shitty results. Go back to our superpower between the emotion and the thought. We have the ability as humans, because we're critical thinkers, we have these frontal lobes here that are super powerful. We can stop, pause, and think about what we're thinking about. We can ask ourselves an honest question. Is this thought congruent with the results I want right now? Yes or no? Yes or no? And if the thoughts aren't congruent with the results we want, we can inject a new thought. Sometimes it might be, man, I just got to find something to be freaking grateful for right now. So I got to change the state I'm in. You know, Tony Robbins built an entire career off this one thing, ability to change your state from inside. And this is exactly, this, this little piece is, is the magic here, right? When we can stop, pause, and make a decision to inject a thought that's congruent with the outcomes, the results that we want, we are no longer subject to the way we feel because now we're choosing how we're going to feel. And a new thought already has a pre-wired emotion in our subconscious and it rips it right out into our conscious. Now we're feeling that thought. Now we're thinking and feeling and feeling and thinking, which inspires new thoughts and new emotions that we're now feeling that are working us back the other way. And if we, and I tell this to people, particularly entrepreneurs, man, before you leave the house, before you allow an external input, a text message, an email, social media, before you allow that into this space, win this fight every morning, every morning. Do not allow yourself to be exposed to the world as a weak version of you. Because if you're in that other spiral, right, bad thought, bad feeling, bad feeling, bad thought, it'll kick your ass and it'll chew you up and spit you out the other end. And you will be living their life, not your life. Like, I wasn't planning on getting to this little discussion here, but this is a good spot to get to. Every single morning when that fight, do not think for a second that because you want it today, that it's gifted to you tomorrow. Every day is a new day. Every day is a new day. And we've got to win that fight every day. But if we win that fight, and we bring the best version of us into the day. At least we put ourselves in, in a podium position for this race. At least we're giving ourselves a head start. Does that all kind of make sense? Man, you, uh, you have a gift. You have a gift at communicating. And it's special. Yeah, like I never, feel like I'm honored just to be listening to this. Yeah, you just have a way of just simplifying things and using analogies that can relate to people. And this is all something that you guys can benefit from. Right? I've struggled figuring out my passion, my purpose. You know, I know Kita is, is someone that I mean, every single one of us can relate to this. And you know, Patrick, for you to come out on the show and take the direction that we've taken. Like, I really appreciate this. I did not think we were going to be diving this deep. I thought we were going to be talking about like you knocking out some dude and making him bleed and sending him <laughs> to the hospital, you know? And here we are getting into some, some deep psychological Tactical stuff. Yeah, too. Like, man. like you can turn off the podcast and immediately start thinking about how did your morning start? Right. You get in that conversation with yourself going back and forth. How did you leave when you walked out the house? Were you at your optimal state or were you at your weak state? The questions need to be answered and I'm glad you asked them. Yeah. So Patrick, what, for people that want to be able to, to get your help, 
right? Like what kind of programs do you offer? Is it, you know, start with this book? Is it, do you do one-on-one coaching? Obviously you have a, a passion and a purpose. I think you're living right now and impacting other people and helping them become a better version of themselves, you know, getting people where they are now and getting them to the version of themselves they want to be, right? Getting them from point A to point B, helping them with that GPS direction. So, you know, where are you really focusing on on helping people right now and, and working with them? Yeah, no, I appreciate you asking that question. So we do one-on-one work, but what I generally recommend with, with people is they come into one of our small group programs and I, I run all our small groups and small groups, 10 people or less, right? And I, what I do is I put people together that are that are like one another, they're in similar situations in life. Like I'm not putting a 25-year-old bachelor in with a, a guy like me who's 55 years old and been married for 29 years and has tons of different business experiences. You know what I mean? I put people that are in similar places in life together and um, I bring them through this process where it starts with 90 days and we get crystal clear. Ultimately, so I'll I'll share something with you guys, right? Um, People refer to me as like the mindset guy and and I let it go because it's a good whatever. It's It's true though. Sort of, because when I tell people that that really want to know, I say, "Here's, here's the, the truth about mindset and it kind of says it in the name mindset that your mind is already set and <laughs> you can't change that shit people are like what <laughs> <laughs> well it's called mindset for a reason you know but here's here's like the, the 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 takeaway here right your mindset is a lag indicator of what you believe but you can't change it from the mindset part you have to change it from your belief side so you just did this huge race, Daniel, right? Um, at some point, you believed you could do it or you wouldn't have been able to do it, right? Now, if I asked you, could could you knock out 200 miles right now? You might not believe that yet. However, if we built up that belief system, right, your mindset would reflect that as well. If you don't, it was Henry Ford who said he was dead on, right? Whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, either way, you're 100% correct. Your mindset is just reflecting our beliefs. So the work I do is down at the belief level. And beliefs are not something easy to change these days. Like we're we're all older, right? Um, We've lived a little life. And when we're young, beliefs just get poured into us. We don't even filter them, right? But now we're very selective in our beliefs and, and we have this ego shell that protects them and all this other kind of stuff, right? Um, so it takes a little work. However, there's a very strict, uh, a very mechanical, predictable way to alter beliefs in order to produce um, the desired results that people want. And, and that's that's the real work that I do with people. And I do it in these 90-day little blocks. Um, we do a little onboarding interview and I can, it's just some questions I can get to the bottom of what's holding us up. And then we get to very crystal clear measurables that we're going to measure throughout the 90 days. And, uh, what I do is I then out of everything I've done with you, I pull out the beliefs that we have to work on here. And then I create this kind of, uh, KPI personalized KPI dashboard that every day you report to. And it's done very intentionally, and there's a lot of psychology behind it that's kind of just operating behind the work that you're doing on the front end. But ultimately, um, at the end of the 90 days, we have tangible results that we've shown we've changed these and we can measure them. We also that that, when I say the small group, that small group gets together every week and goes through their commitments at the accountability part from the 
week before, right? We kind of hashed that on. Here, here's here's one thing I'll throw in there. Um, this type of um, like external input is not for everyone. Um, I've intentionally rooted out pretty much every level of empathy from the program um, intentionally because the pro- program is more effective. It's very black and white. It's very mechanical. So for people who need a lot more hold handing and butt padding and stuff like that, um, probably would find this uncomfortable. There is a ruthless level of accountability once we've made the commitment to what we're going to commit to for the 90 days. And I have a little process where we boil all that down, right? It's really, really simple. Um, but when, when, it, when we hit go, we hit go. And the other people in your group are there to hold each other accountable, right? Um, so anyways, that's that's the most productive methodology uh, for, for people who have, they, they know they're capable more. They know for certain that they, they can just be more and do more, but they just don't know how to cross that river, man. They're stuck on this side of the river. And I just closed the gap between this side of the river and that side of the river. So at some point, you can just step right over. And everything we started out to, there's a funny thing about the program, 90 days, it seems overwhelming. It seems huge. It seems incredible that we're going to do this work in 90 days. By the time we're like two-thirds of the way through, we're like, huh, maybe I should have set my goals a little higher. <laughs> That's that's how our mind works, anyways. Right? But anyways, that that's that's the easiest way to do it, um, Daniel. Yeah, and I love how you brought up you're going to be uncomfortable. You cannot grow being comfortable, being complacent. So you know you you have to go through some pain and some some feeling of uh, you know being uncomfortable to to grow. And and that's why they hire you. That's why they work with you. So where's a good place for them to learn more about you and your programs and, and get started? Yeah. So if, if people just want to familiarize themselves with me um, and anywhere on social media, on Instagram or Facebook, and you just see the stuff we talk about on a regular basis. Um, and then my, my website is patrickprecourt.com. Um, but it's probably easier to get through by just you know messaging me through any of the social medias. There's only two Patrick Precourts out there. And the other one is my son. Now, granted, I am handsome. Okay. But you should still be able to tell the difference in age. Okay. <laughs> you, do, you do have some stunning blue eyes. I, you, you could be a Hollywood actor, bro. Yeah. I'm, I'm jealous because I got brown eyes like every single person out here. Right. Yeah. And they're black. So yeah. For real. So, guys, that's patrickprecourt.com, uh, P R E C O U R T. And uh, we'll put his website, his Instagram, his Facebook, and the show notes. Shoot him a DM. Let him know that you heard him on the How Winners Win. That way he can put two and two together. And uh, definitely, you know, we don't bring guests on the show that, uh, you know, are phonies. And, uh, you know, this is this is someone that, that walks the walk and is, is as real as it gets. And I know you guys got a lot of value from this episode. So, again, you got a ton of value. Yeah, we did. I, I took a lot of notes. This is this is very, very impactful. And like I said, I'll reiterate it again. Patrick, you, you have a gift, brother. And I'm, I'm really Seriously. happy that you stepped into your role and you're showing up every day and, and I know making a big impact with your just way of communicating and, and helping people out. So guys go give him a follow, go check his shit out, share this episode. I know there's someone in your family, your network that is struggling with pa- passion and purpose and identity. And this is going to be an episode that can change their lives. So Patrick, it was on an honor, man. I, I appreciate the Seriously, last hour man. or so that yes. uh, you, you gave us your time and, and you, you absolutely crushed it. The honor is mine. Like I said, I've been looking forward to this and hanging out with you guys. So thank thank you very much for just allowing me to share. Absolutely. Well, winners, go give us a review. If you are one of those motherfuckers that have listened to us 80 episodes and you've not given us a review. 
it's Christmas is not that far away. You're going to get some, some nasty shit in your stockings You're on, <laughs> on uh, Santa's naughty list. But again, we appreciate you guys. You guys could be listening to any other show, but you're giving us your time. And uh, that means a lot to Keats and I. So you guys have a great week and we will catch you guys next week. Peace. <laughs>